the majority of people who have COVID-19 actually recover. Uh, it might sound like everyone dying, but the majority of people actually recover, which means that the immune system can fight COVID-19. Thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. Uh, we are having a discussion here, and of course we're on lockdown, uh, as everyone is, and so we can't meet face-to-face, -face, so we're recording this Zoom discussion with uh, two doctors. And we feel so very honored to be working with two doctors, and we would like to talk to them about the realities of this pandemic from their point of view and how their faith helps them to face this crisis. Mm -hmm. We'd also like to look back at another pandemic that occurred in 1918 and see what we can learn from this health crisis that hit the, every country in the world and see what we can learn to help us with the pandemic that we're currently going through. So Renee and I are joined by Dr. George Cho, who is a naturopathic doctor at the Pathways to Wholeness Lifestyle Medicine Clinic in North York, Ontario. Welcome, Dr. Cho. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. And we also have Dr. Will Maku from the Cortis Health Center at the Oshawa Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Maku. Thank you for inviting me. So for those of you who are watching online, uh, please type your comments, any questions that you have in the comments section, and we'll be able to address those later. Let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll dive straight into our questions. Dr. Maku, would it be possible if you could please lead us in a word of prayer? All right, all right. Father in heaven, we. We thank you for your word that helps us to uh, read your promises and encourages us. We thank you for your perfect love that casts out all fear, as it says in 1 John 4, 18, and your wonderful wings under which we can trust, uh, Psalms 91, verse 4. Thank you for your, your, your son, Jesus, who uh, heals us through his stripes and we ask that our words uh, might help and encourage someone uh, to trust you more in the face of these difficult times. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So thank you for your prayer, Dr. Marcou. I just want to begin by talking about the realities of this pandemic um, from your point of view, to, to begin with, Dr. Marcou. Um, what are you seeing? How is the testing of your patients going? And have you had patients or fellow doctors tested with COVID-19? So uh, you may not be aware, but uh, they just announced uh, the first healthcare worker in Ontario has succumbed to COVID-19, that was today. Um, so I have uh, colleagues who have tested positive. Uh, one is in hospital. Um, I fortunately uh, have um, no personal patients who have tested positive. Uh, I have a, an elderly practice, uh, almost 40% uh, of my practice is over 65, mm. so the more vulnerable group. Mm. Um, but um, the difficulty with testing right now uh, is that you have to qualify for testing. So you may have fever and cough, 
but you still wouldn't be allowed testing unless you work or live with someone who works in a vulnerable sector, like a nursing home or um, long-term care facility. Uh, so there are patients that potentially have this. Uh, in fact, um, uh, I spoke to one who had fever, cough, but she, wasn't, she didn't qualify because she wasn't working in that area. So uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fear that I'm, I'm getting from patients. And uh, I'm thankful that, uh, that we do have something to, to share with them from, from not only from science, but also from our faith background. Mm. Mm. And that, that is helping you is, is your personal faith uh, yes. as a Christian doctor. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Cho, um, can you tell us how long it is from the point of infection with COVID-19 to when you start seeing symptoms? And then also, what are the symptoms like as they progress? So I think everyone's aware of the big three, so cough, fever, and uh, difficulty breathing. Um, but there's actually other symptoms as well I think people should be aware of. So sore throat, even like uh, just generalized pain or myalgia, uh, headache. Some people, even, there's, record, uh, there's reports that people even have diarrhea. So there's a wide range of symptoms that people should be aware of. Now, uh, from exposure to, uh, to um, symptoms, it could be anywhere from 2 to 14 days. And they, they get that based off the MERS virus. So they're using that as kind of a gauge, but uh, some reports suggest two to about 14 days. But of course, as the uh, disease or as the sickness progresses, it's going to get worse, right? So first it might just be like a sore throat, some coughing, but of course uh, it eventually ends up with like difficulty breathing. And that's when you know that you have to kind of head to the emergency. So that's, how, that's kind of how it progresses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I think people should be aware it's not just fever, cough, right? Uh, it could be a wide range of different things. But those are the big ones, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does, it, does it start off pretty serious or does it pro progressively just get more and more serious? I think it generally just starts a little bit more mild. Most cases right now are mild, right? Uh, but, of course, people with predisposing uh, health conditions, they, they could advance much more quickly. It seems like children, uh, the more younger population, seem to be uh, suffering less from this condition. But if you're uh, elderly or have different health conditions like uh, diabetes or uh, heart disease, things like that, then it could, uh, it could progress quite rapidly. It's important to... Go ahead. It's important to realize that from the onset of symptoms, which are usually, which start out mild, to the time that you can uh, get into more serious problems, mm -hmm. you have about a seven-day window in which you potentially can change the course of 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 the illness. And this is the the, the time period that's so crucial, which I think we have uh, to we can we can help our patients. Uh, realize that they can do something. They just don't have to sit at home and, and wait for the bomb to drop. That right. they can, in fact, intervene and change the course of it. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's what I'm telling patients. In fact, have... I had one patient yesterday who was sitting at home. 
it's, she was day four into her symptoms and she, she didn't think that she could do anything. And so that's the point of time where uh, you can at that, uh, and we're going to hopefully discuss it in our talk today about the benefits of some of these things that we can do. But once I was able to tell her, you could just almost feel the relief through the telephone. Yeah. So tell us some of those benefits of things that have been tested um, that, that you have discovered have, have worked. Okay. So, um, First off, uh, there's been excellent studies showing the benefits of adequate rest. In mm. fact, uh, one study, they actually dripped a rhinovirus into volunteers, and part of the, the control group was sleep-deprived, and the other one had adequate rest, and the people that had, had, were sleep-deprived had a 300% chance of getting sick and the symptoms being worse than those that that so it's perfect everybody with being at home under under self-quarantine or 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 voluntary isolation we have opportunity to get our rest Mm. and so that's uh, something that that is available to all and so um i mean it it it's not rhinovirus is not covid19 but 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 viral uh, replication and viral entrance into the body is enhanced if your immune system is down. And so uh, that is something pretty, pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, I understand that this virus does not like heat. And so, um, and, and we're going to talk about the historical benefits uh, as well of hydrotherapy. And so again, I was able to tell this patient uh, that now's the time in this weak window that you have to, to, to treat yourself before you get worse, potentially. I mean, we, didn't, we don't know, but, but, but you still have that weak period where you can treat yourself. And so I was recommending uh, uh, some very simple hydrotherapy treatments uh, because we know that the, the denaturing of this virus occurs more rapidly when it's exposed to heat. Mm. There were some studies at the University of Toronto on this. Oh, yes. Okay. I can, if I just going to um, share my screen here, I can share a study right out of our own university here. Um, let me just go here. Yeah. So this is a, uh, called immune changes in humans during cold exposure effects of prior heating and exercise. And it's fascinating that um, if we come, your body is, and the immune system is full of different factors and they, um, preheated and then did cold applications and they follow here's here's the uh, lymphocyte counts um, you can see how they're ri- rising with the, with the cold exposure if I just here this is natural killer cells again um, uh, statistically significant improvements uh, in all these immune factors here's interleukin 6 your natural uh, macrophages uh, uh, so let me just come back out here now um, so that's one study that has clearly indicated that the alternating hot and cold packs can boost your immune system. So again, uh, we recommend, I recommended to this patient that she, uh, she had heating pads. And so uh, I told her to lie on one on her back, put one on the front and do uh, some alternating contrast with cold. So she would heat for, for five to 10 minutes and then do a cold for 
10, 20 seconds, and then just repeat that a couple times and do that, those cycles uh, once or twice a day. I mean, I mean, it's the CDC right now is recommending uh, bandanas and scarves and things like this, which we don't have any research to, to, to back this up, but it, in this kind of time, uh, we're going to be doing it. And so these uh, treatments with uh, hydrotherapy certainly have been shown research-wise benefit for the immune system. And so why not do it? It's something we, we can do and it's going to impact the, the course of the illness uh, I am absolutely confident about. Absolutely. Because we know that the COVID uh, virus affects the periphery of the lung, which is, mm. which is right near the chest wall. So if we're putting the heat there, then we're going to be penetrating uh, right into the area where the, where the virus sits. Right, right. Mm. I, I want us to kind of go back in history a bit. Um, the pandemic that I see coming up a lot of times in, in discussions is the one that happened in, in um, 1918. Um, Dr. Joe, you want to comment on that? What was the Spanish flu? Mm -hmm. Well, like you said, it started in 1918, uh, near the tail end of World War I. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't know exactly where it started from. It was an influenza virus, but some say um, in England, some say in, um, in uh, Kansas. It wasn't actually, it didn't start in Spain. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's called Spanish flu is because during the war, all the other um, countries that were involved in the war had censorship. So they're kind of uh, not talking about it. But Spain during World War I was neutral. And so they're, they're kind of just, the media was free to just share whatever, so they were reporting on, hence the name Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. But this was a very devastating um, disease, uh, pandemic. Uh, it, killed, uh, it, it killed approximately 50 to some people say almost 100 million people. Mm -hmm. And they say about one third of the world's population, I believe, was affected. Uh, so it was, uh, it was very serious. Uh, it was, there were several waves in the pandemic, mm -hmm. wave two and three. And the second wave was uh, particularly deadly. Uh, this was especially when the soldiers were coming back from the war. So they were all hanging out with each other. But then when they came back to the general population, then it started to spread uh, mm -hmm. a lot. And so then a lot of people were killed. But this was a very devastating disease. Even to this day, people are still studying it. But um, uh, the virus is mostly, it was more like a bird, bird flu-like type of virus. So it is different from COVID-19, but... Um, still some similarities, I think less that we can learn. So, um, Dr. Moku, can you tell us what the similarities and if there are any similarities between the Spanish flu and COVID-19? Right. So, uh, the, the Spanish flu brought about a overreaction of the immune system mm -hmm. and plugged uh, 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 airways and caused bleeding. And COVID-19 does a similar thing as well because in autopsies in China, they, they have found that, uh, that the airways are completely plugged with a thick mucus. So there's, there's, a, there's not only a viral effect of damage on the bronchial tubes, but there's a, there's a, a, a cytokine uh, reaction that causes uh, a mucus to, to form and plug the airways. Mm -hmm. the, the, um, the effect obviously is is the reason that the spanish flu 
again, you had so much, so much close quarters with the troop movements and things like that. And that's how it kind of spread across Canada is that it, it arrived in Halifax with returning troops, but yet there was still troop movements across the country. And that's how it, it, it spread across Canada and 55,000 people died in, in Canada during that time. Mm. Uh, so it, uh, it had a huge effect even even in, in, in this country as well. So that was right after World War One, and World War One in Canada, you know, it, it killed, uh, or at least there were 60,000 uh, killed from, from right. Indian troops. And so right. it killed just as many people as who died in World War One. Yeah, yeah, right mm -hmm. after the war. You have a you have a, a a a connection within your family to to the Spanish flu and uh, what happened there. You had uh, people who were in the medical profession back on your your on your wife's side of yeah. So so um, I have I have uh, so remember that the Spanish flu uh, was uh, treated in. Adventist health centers or sanitariums with hydrotherapy. Mm -hmm. uh, what we're advocating people can do for this one as well. Mm -hmm. And they had uh, tremendous success rates in their, in their responses and their fatality rates were, were much lower. Um, so my wife's gr maternal grandparents and their names are Clyde and Millie Wilcott. They were trained as medical missionary nurses in, in Loma Linda. Uh, they're, 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 they had their first child while they were being trained. And then they were sent by uh, the, 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 the church, the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists to, to Canada as medical missionaries nurses during the Spanish flu. And so uh, they were in Calgary uh, when their second child was, no, sorry, their, their third child was born. But the point I'm getting at is the Spanish flu was especially deadly to pregnant women. Mm -hmm. Their death rate was almost 35%. Mm -hmm. So Millie was pregnant with her second child just as the Spanish flu got it going. Mm -hmm. She, uh, had her third child, she carried her third child right through the tail end of the second wave and right through the third wave. Mm -hmm. And she was, uh, uh, and her husband were, were, were ministering during the Spanish flu to people who were sick. <clears throat> so obviously she was exposed. Mm -hmm. So it tells us that a healthy immune system uh, and the knowledge of, of, of these kinds of simple hydrotherapy treatments uh, saved lives. And I believe uh, that it saved her. And thus, I had uh, the opportunity to meet my wife. Because <laughs> if, the, if that wouldn't have been so, so successful, I'm afraid that uh, my life would be very different today. And so, so I'm thankful for, 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 that, uh, for, for, for that knowledge that was Mm -hmm. provided a blessing to me because I would not be the same. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. So um, there are interesting reports suggesting that Seventh-day Adventists had a comparatively greater success helping people with the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, Dr. Chow. Yeah, so uh, Seventh-day Adventists 
uh, even today, but back then as well, they ran these things called sanitariums. Okay. Uh, so this is basically back in the day, it just meant like a lifestyle center, um, like a health health facility. They called it a sanitarium, and there's a big some interesting uh, research that people have dug up, um, and that suggests that uh, treatments that they're doing at the sanitariums were quite successful compared to what people were doing uh, elsewhere. And so, for example. Uh, there's this uh, there's a little chart here, and in the U.S. military, uh, their their death rate from the Spanish flu was about seven percent. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Adventist sanitariums at that time, if you were an outpatient, the death rate was only about four percent. If you're being treated inside the sanitarium, it was less than two percent. So. Comparatively, these Adventist uh, sanitariums had quite a good success rate uh, compared to what was happening outside. So well, what were they doing? Well, just like Dr. Mark was mentioning, some of the Adventists were big proponents of the, of the time for hydrotherapy. So hot packs to the chest and to the back, right? And even contrasting hot and cold. Like Dr. Mark mentioned, that stimulates the immune system and helps the immune system fight off of the virus. Mm. Also, some of the Adventists are, were very big proponents of healthy nutrition. Uh, so they uh, emphasize a whole foods, plant-based diet. So mm-hmm. eating a lot of plant foods, not so much animals and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you go on the CDC website, uh, on their section on COVID-19, they actually tell people that if you're, being tre- if you're just uh, recovering at home, that you should practice healthy nutrition or healthy eating uh-huh. they, don't, they don't go into specifics but um, they do say that uh, you should be engaged in healthy nutrition well these Seventh-day Adventists during the time of the Spanish flu they were uh, telling people to uh, eat a more plant-based diet and of course Seventh-day Adventists have also been big on promoting other aspects of health like getting exercise yeah. uh, being out in, in the sun and so forth so I believe that's a combination of these things that really help them to have this comparatively good success uh, with their patients during the Spanish flu. Of course, COVID-19 is not the same as influenza, but like Dr. Marku mentioned, it's still a virus. And I think there's still things that we can still learn from this. Mm-hmm. 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 Tell us about um, the Hutchinson Theological Seminary in Minnesota. Yes, you know, yes. Uh, and I want to just thank Dr. Hannah Kaliova from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's dug up some of this, which I obtained. But basically, there was this uh, seminary mm-hmm. uh, at the time during the Spanish flu, it's Hutchinson Theological Seminary, Seventh Adventist. And uh, their, their campus was also affected by the Spanish flu. So, about 90 people, I believe. Uh, students and teachers and so forth were affected by the Spanish flu. So what they did was some of the stuff that they were doing at other Adventist institutions, uh-huh. they got people to do uh, hot fomentations. That's just the word for hot pack uh-huh. to, uh, to the throat, chest, and the back. And they told people also to rest. They were also practicing quarantine. So they're all staying in their rooms and uh, they're also uh, eating healthy healthy nutrition, uh, plant-based nutrition. And they had no deaths, mm. and none of them, none of them were severe. Mm. So even when those people recovered, 
they still made them quarantine for another few days just to make sure that they were really actually okay. Mm-hmm. But the amazing thing was that they had uh, no severe cases and uh, no deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were they doing? They're doing just these simple things that Dr. Marku was mentioning and that Adventists have been doing for quite a while. Hydrotherapy, mm-hmm. just practicing just common sense, healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. behaviors. So I think there's a lot to learn from this. And um, I really appreciate what Dr. Marku mentioned that, you know, when people are resting at home, recovering at home, that there is something that they can do. Yeah. I think yeah. there's so much talk right now about the two extremes, prevention and then the really severe cases. But there's not much talk right now about what happens in between. And we know that the majority of people who have COVID-19 actually recover. Mm. It might sound like everyone's dying, but the majority of people actually recover, which means that the immune system can fight COVID-19. People should realize that and give the immune system more credit than is is often given. The immune system, in most cases, can fight COVID-19, but the key is if it's strong enough. And so to, to uh, to help the immune system, it's practicing these things which we've been talking about here. So yeah. I think that's a big lesson for all of us. Both of you are um, Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Um, from your point of view, how does your faith help you with this crisis? And uh, can you see any any spiritual uh, boost that you're getting here, uh, spiritual insights that, that really help you in dealing with this personally? So uh, one of the, one of the uh, trials in which uh, they're trying to treat uh, COVID-19 is, is uh, individuals who recover from mm-hmm. the illness have antibodies circulating in their blood uh, as evidence that they beat this thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a group of Canadian researchers headed out of uh, Hamilton in transfusion therapy that um, are in the very process right now of getting uh, volunteers to donate uh, their plasma, which is the, uh, the fluid in the blood uh, that has the antibodies in it. Uh-huh. And they are in, in the midst of organizing this trial across Canada uh, to then infuse this antibody rich plasma into the into the bodies, into the bloodstreams of people who are, are severely sick with COVID-19 in the ICUs. Now, the remarkable thing, and I think this is one of the positive aspects uh, of, of this pandemic, is uh, there's a tremendous openness and willingness to work together to find a cure, which, which um, often uh, research done in silos and there's really no communication, but uh, this group, uh, is 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 quickly coming together to do this in a in a remarkable way. Mm. So the insight is that we have all in this world have a deadly disease that is one hundred percent fatal, and it's mm. called sin. Mm. But we have the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Yeah. Uh, so. We have a powerful testimony that that uh, that that faith in Jesus ultimately does restore us to health, 
And, uh, you know, there's the wonderful verse, by his stripes, we are healed. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. so because of that personal uh, faith and belief, then I can have confidence when I'm speaking to others because really what is the fear that they have? It's a fear of death. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, that's what keeps us in bondage is, is this fear of death. Yeah. Well, when we have a savior who has already done that for us yes. and offers us a resurrection, then it does completely transform one's attitude towards death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so that ha- has been helpful for me. In fact, just yesterday I was on a, a phone consultation with a patient who was pleading for an off work note. Mm-hmm. And she worked in an essential service in a warehouse uh, uh, that was, it was, it was, it was very busy and social distancing was, 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 was difficult to maintain. She was touching all sorts of services and she had elderly parents at home. Mm. So she was extremely concerned that somehow she would re- re- return home and infect her parents and cause, uh, uh mm. her, you know, the, them to get sick. So it's fear. It's fear is, is just paralyzing. She, she herself was getting sick over her anxiety, over this issue. Yes. yes. And so, uh, you know, to number one, uh, share those simple things that she could do if they were to get sick, but also uh, some, some just the, the, the simple faith can help to transform that into a, a total different boost to the immune system because uh, joy and happiness has also in, known to increase your endorphins again, which, which in, increases your immune system. So um, I think fear is just as deadly as, as, as COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Thank you very much for sharing that. So we're, we're, we're talking about, a, a disease that has really affected the whole world, just as you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we need the blood of Christ. Like you said, he, he has the, I guess the antibodies, <laughs> he, has the, he, has, he has gained the victory over this virus called sin. And uh, by the blood of Christ, we are cleansed from all sin. And uh, this, this virus, it's, it's transmitting throughout the whole world, but we are able to spread the gospel uh, one person at a time. And uh, that can become infectious as well, so that people are, are uh, they receive a, a, a beautiful message of hope and joy in these last days. Jesus said that I came to bring them joy and that their joy might be full. Mm-hmm. Dr. Cho. As, as a Christian doctor, um, what, what help do you get from your faith, from the scriptures, um, or any analogies like, like uh, Dr. Marku mentioned? Well, I think it's uh, important for people to realize that, um, that you know, the Lord uh, sees the future and he's in control of things, but mm-hmm. we can't understand it. You know, I'm reminded of uh, Christ when he was on earth. He faced the COVID-19 of his day, which yeah. is leprosy. Yeah. Right, leprosy was is another infectious disease, not a virus. It's a bacterial disease, 
mm-hmm. but still this disease that was going around and that people really feared. And the Bible talks about a story where a man with leprosy was want, want to get healed and he realizes that Jesus is nearby. He comes to Christ. And while everyone cowers away in fear, Jesus is not afraid. And he stands in front of that man and the man cries out for help. And Jesus actually heals the person. Mm-hmm. So we, we're reminded that uh, the Lord is not afraid of these things. And when we put our lives into his hands, that we also have no need to fear. Of course, it doesn't mean that we will never get sick. Right? I'm pretty sure there's Christians who are also getting sick. But we understand that the Lord, the, everything, the Lord has everything under control. And just as he was not surprised or not taken uh, by surprise or not afraid of the leprosy, Back then, he's not afraid of COVID-19 now. And so for Christians, it's a reminder that we have to place our lives and uh, place our, our life into his hands and to trust in him. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of Christians, including myself, using this as kind of a time to really reflect upon our relationship with the Lord and to really uh, realize that, you know, this world is not our home. Mm-hmm. The world is full of so much suffering and all the idols that we have in our lives, it goes away so quickly, you know. Uh, whatever idols, you know, the money or business or whatever, all these things are just uh, completely taken away in a moment because of this virus. And so we're reminded that, you know, we have a better home to look forward to Mm -hmm. in heaven where there will be no more sickness, death, and suffering. And so I want to encourage our listeners and our viewers to look for a better world. But of course, in order to be there, we have to examine our own relationship with the Lord. I think this is a good time to kind of think about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, um, doctors, uh, for sharing with us. I, I'm grabbing my Bible here um, just to remind everyone as we close off of the words of Jesus, where he tells us, you know, well, when he's facing temptation uh, and the devil is coming at him and he answers him and says to him, um, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god what a what a statement of faith and trust in the word of god so thank you once again dr mark Ku, and thank you dr cho for being with us today thank you so much for listening if you would like to watch a video of this podcast please visit iiw.ca Or you can go to IIW Canada YouTube and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.